Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, welcome to church, everybody. Hey, welcome. Good morning. Come on, say it like you mean it. Good morning. You're still alive. You're here. Welcome back to church. Welcome to another week. I am so, so thrilled that you're here. Grab your Bibles if you would. We got some, some ground to cover. Just open up anywhere you want, and I'll be by there in a few minutes, and I'll, I'll catch up with you. No, John chapter 14. I think God has something powerful in store for you that's going to help you right where you are. God's Word is going to speak to you, bring you some encouragement, bring you a little bit of practical help, and I think it's going to minister to your needs. So we're so glad that you made it here. I want to say a special thank you to all of you who are still serving in all the different various ways that we're serving our city. It is simply a joy as a pastor to watch a church that is not struggling with the same issues that many of my pastor brothers are struggling with, where people have given up serving, they stopped using their gifts, they're not ministering, they're not pouring out, they're not helping people. Like This is the time for us to become the hands and feet of Jesus and to watch my church not struggle with that, that's a, that's a big deal. So all of you who helped with our kids' ministry yesterday doing the remodel over there, that's awesome, it looks beautiful. If you haven't seen that over there, you need to see it at some point, it's great. For those of you serving at places like Highway 80 and Jesus Burger and our mission fields all around the world, it's just awesome to see the heart of our church that continues to serve while many people are shrinking back in fear. Um, I, I love that about you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for giving. Thank you for volunteering. Thank you for not giving up on the body of Christ. It's a big deal, and it matters to me. So as your pastor, I just want to say I love you, and I'm very, very grateful. Thank you for your support. Thank you for using your gifts. It matters. It's making a difference. So thank you for that. John chapter 14, I want to continue on with our series called Unsubscribe. So somebody say it with me, unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. There are some crazy things that we will subscribe to that later on we are like, okay, perhaps, perhaps I, I wasn't in my right frame of mind when I subscribed to that. Or there's some things that come along with some subscriptions that you didn't necessarily subscribe to, but they end up throwing you in a bunch of junk that you didn't, didn't ask for. And now it's giving you all kinds of crazy stuff. I was, I've been looking, I've been keeping a tally uh, because this idea came to my heart of, of what are the crazy things that people subscribe to. And more than just spiritual things, there are practical things that people will subscribe to all the time that they think that they need that I don't understand. So we talked about the miniature donkey review and <laughs> the potato magazine, that people subscribe to these things. Uh, now, this one may hit a little close to home. I don't get it, but there is a fruit of the month club Fruit of the month for $349 a month. Who are these people? <laughs> I was thinking, I, once you get from like January to like maybe mid-July, like that's all the fruits that I know. You know? <laughs> at some point, it's like, is this a fruit or is this just something weird that they're hoping to pass off as fruit? And at what point do you're like, okay, we need to start repeating that again? Because like, I was thinking, okay, apples, grapes, bananas, oranges, that's all I know. <laughs> Do I look like I eat a lot of fruit? Let's be honest. Don't laugh at that. But for $349 a month, are you serious? Who are these people? And at, at some point, like, do they tithe? And should they tithe to this church? Because you, you, have, you have obviously some, some, uh, some financial freedom that some of us don't have. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But uh, I hope that you're giving somewhere. $349 a month. Today, I want to talk about the crazy things that we subscribe to, that the Bible offers us a better way. Things that we think bring us some help or some hope, some sort of stability, that later on we realize, wait a minute, that, that gave, gave me something false that didn't produce what I thought it was going to produce. And we can biblically unsubscribe from those things. Today, I want to talk about unsubscribing 
from an anxious mind. You see, anxiety feels like you're getting a lot done. It feels like if you worry about something enough that your mind will somehow figure it out and all the options and all the different things that you're, that you're dealing with will, will somehow make sense at some point and we get ourselves stirred up and worked up and we, we feel like we've done a lot, but it's not really producing what we think it's producing. As a matter of fact, somebody said one time that anxiety is like a rocking chair. There's a lot of motion, but it doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> what takes anxiety from being something that is healthy? And by the way, there is healthy anxiety to unhealthy. And at what point as sons and daughters of the most high God, do we allow anxiety to drown out the voice of the Holy Spirit? How would we know the difference between the Holy Spirit warning us of things that, are, that, are, that, that, that could be happening when we're wrestling in our spirit and we don't feel right, when something's not making sense? At what point does that become unhealthy? When is it our mind? When is it our emotions? When is it the Holy Spirit? How can we tell the difference? I believe that God's word shows us how to defeat anxiety as believers, how to make better choices in the moments where life doesn't make sense. And let me just tell you, uh, if, you've, if you've not dealt with anxiety in, since 2020, uh, you're not human. <laughs> this hits us all. And if you're not dealing with an anxious situation right now, just keep living because it happens. So <laughs> you either walk through this, you're walking through it, or you're about to walk through it. The most important thing is, what does God's word say? And how can I approach this differently than perhaps I did last year? Because tomorrow brings enough worries of its own. It brings some care and concern and option, you know, opportunities for us to just get really nuts if you want to get nuts. Our minds can create and imagine things that are so far from reality in a hurry. How do we unsubscribe from that? How do we take a step back and what does God's word offer us to bring us clarity in these moments? So I want to take you to John chapter 14 and, and show you what Jesus does for his disciples. Notice this is not just to, to every human. It's not showing this to the world. He's showing this to those that believe in him. And they were dealing with anxiety, a lot of anxiety. And this is important for us to remember because I think in the body of Christ, we subscribe to this notion that if I'm feeling anxious, if I'm feeling worried, that must be the devil. Like, is it? Is it? Or could it be that we're living in anxiety-filled times? It's the state of our world. How do I deal with it? That's the better question. You know, for some people, anxiety, and I don't understand who these people are. There's some of you in this room that anxiety brings out the best in you. That the more pressure you put on that, that person just becomes superhuman. I have an uncle that's that way. He's probably watching this today. If you play golf with my uncle, he's not that great of a golfer. We play great until you put pressure on him. And then he becomes Tiger Woods. I have no idea how he does this, but I have to make sure I've, I've developed a plan over the years. If I want to beat my uncle, I got to keep him calm and put no pressure on him. Because as we're approaching the back nine, he's like, how many strokes are you up? And I'm like, none. You're, you're beating me. You're, there's no pressure. <laughs> because once he sees the score and realizes I'm winning, he becomes the Tiger Woods. He can't miss. The more pressure, the more anxiety they put on him, it just brings out the best in him. He starts getting laser focused and he starts making shot after shot after shot. I'm like, who are you? How does this happen? How does anxiety make you better? There are some people that, that they get a little anxiety and they, they become superhuman. Some of us are just pressure performers. The more pressure you put on us, the better we're gonna do. Where, where are you? Where are you? Because the rest of us wanna see your hand raised and make fun of you. Because in the real world, we don't understand that. We don't get it, but some people, it just makes them better. 
You ever watch Tom Brady be down three or four touchdowns in the Super Bowl versus Atlanta? And is he panicking? No, crowds are going nuts. Atlanta's celebrating. Like, you, you gave him too much time. This is what he does. Michael Jordan, the game is on the line. Like, you give him the ball, and it just doesn't seem to affect him. He becomes superhuman. He can do it. But for the rest of us in the real world, it doesn't make us better. It throws us for a loop, and we get worse. We get thrown off our game, and anxiety mounts and builds and creates and lies to us. How do we take a step back from that and deal with it biblically? Far beyond just let me, let me take a few deep breaths or let me remove myself from the conversation. Let me just cut back on coffee. You know, Because sometimes anxiety has nothing to do with something spiritual. You just got a bad diet. You know? <laughs> Your diet is 90% sugar and anxiety. It is what it is. Like that, that's on you, boo-boo. That's not us. That's not the Lord. That's you. But in John chapter 14, I want you to notice that when Jesus speaks these words, he's speaking to a room of his closest friends that are dealing with a ton of anxiety. They've got a ton of questions. And as a matter of fact, the questions that they're asking make zero sense. And that seems to, that seems to kind of be par for the course when you're in an anxious, anxiety-filled situation. You start asking questions that have nothing to do with anything in reality. We can't really hear what Jesus is saying. We don't understand what he's saying, and we kind of go off on our own little tangent and think about things that are really not important. And so as we're looking at the background of John chapter 14, we have to understand, Jesus has just told them, number one, uh, I'm leaving. Number two, and you can't come with me. Number three, one of you is gonna betray me. I don't know about you, but if you're sitting in a room of 12 people, Jesus Christ is sitting there, it's like, one of you is gonna betray me. You're like, he's talking to me. He knows. And I think about Jesus in that moment looking at people like Peter and, and Peter looking back and saying, Jesus, is it I? I said, no, Peter, of course it's not you. And then John looking at Jesus, Jesus, is it me? Am I gonna be the one that betrays you? And Jesus says, no, of course not, John. You're the one that I love. You would never betray me. And then Judas is like, hey, is it me, Jesus? And Jesus says, is it me, Jesus? <laughs> you know it's you. You've already done it. The point being, there's a lot of anxiety in this room. Jesus has just taken off his outer robe and started washing people's feet. And Peter's like, get up, what are you doing here? You're the master. You're not supposed to be behaving like a servant. And Jesus says, you're missing the point. Peter's like, you're not washing my feet. He says, Peter, if I can't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And Peter's like, well, then hurry up, man, come on. In just a few hours, soldiers are coming. By this time the next day, Jesus is gonna be battered and bruised and beaten and hung on a cross as all their hopes are dashed, as they're scattered to the four corners of the earth, as they succumb to their greatest fears and anxieties. Jesus says, you're all gonna be scattered. You're all gonna leave me. Peter says, not me, I'm ride or die. I'm with you till the end, it's me and you. And he's like, no, before the clock even strikes twice, you're gonna deny me three times, Peter. Are you serious right now, Jesus? Not me, yes, you. And then Jesus speaks some of the most powerful words to a room full of anxiety. And in these words, he gives people like me and you hope when we're walking through times where we don't understand, where we don't like it, where we feel like we're afraid and we feel like Christ has left us, when we feel like he couldn't possibly understand what we're having to walk through as anxiety hits us like a wave after wave after wave and you get sweaty and your mind goes nuts and you're worried and it moves from worry to concern and concern to something way crazier in your mind than what it actually is. Am I just speaking to myself today or am I speaking to somebody that's been there? I, I, I get it. 
I understand. And so does Jesus. And he says this. I wish we had time to read the entire chapter. It's so good. But Jesus says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I want to say that again. I don't want to move too fast from that point because there's a lot of scripture that you may have in the back of your mind, but you need to remember this one. This one is critical. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let that happen. I want to make sure that you hear in this moment that God is not going to command you to do something that he doesn't empower you to do. You can do this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, you believe in God. Believe in me. Believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that wasn't so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. And of course, at that moment, they launch into a whole bunch of questions. Uh, no, we don't, Jesus. We, we don't know where you're going. You haven't told us where you're going. You just said he couldn't come with you. How are we supposed to meet you? I don't get it. Is there a GPS? Is there a roadmap? Is this like Door of the Explorer? I don't know where you're going. How do I do this? Jesus bypasses all that and gets back to the main point. He says this in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. What has he just commanded them to do? Do not let your hearts be troubled. This verbiage is written in the imperative, which means it's a command. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. You're gonna have to remember this when you're walking through times of great anxiety. His word commands me. that I know I love Jesus, so the command is true. I have to listen to this. Don't let my heart be troubled. That's a hard thing sometimes to do. It's easy for me to let my heart be troubled. Jesus says, don't allow that to happen. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If that wasn't so, he said, I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. And here's what anxiety does, even though we don't see the benefits of it on the front end, but it shows us that not only is Jesus preparing a place for us, but he's preparing us for that place. We may not see the work that anxiety can do in our hearts, but it's preparing us for the place that he has prepared for us. Let's keep on going. Jesus says this, I'm gonna ask the Father and he's gonna give you another advocate and he will help you and be with you forever. What's that advocate? He said the spirit of truth, which is so critical, by the way, in times where your anxiety will lie to you, in times where truth is relative and people have their own truth. Well, this is my truth. Is it, <laughs> is it really or is it something you choose to believe that could not be anywhere close to truth? Truth is what people make it. We live in an age where if you're looking for truth, it's hard to find it. And he points us back to his word and points us back to the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, this is the spirit of truth. That's what will help you when you're walking through anxiety. Truth, what's true about this? And what's in my mind he says, the world can't accept that spirit of truth because it doesn't see him, it doesn't know him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And I love this promise that Jesus makes. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You're not alone. Skip on down to verse 25. He says, all this I've spoken while I'm still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name, what's he gonna do? He's gonna teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've just said to you. 
He knows that you're gonna need reminding when you're walking through tough times. You're gonna need some reminding of the spirit of truth when you're walking through anxiety-filled issues. Help me to see the truth. Remind me, Holy Spirit. Help me. Help me. And then I love what Jesus says in this next verse. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I give you. I want you to know that as children of God, you've been given a great gift. You've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. You've you've been given that spirit of truth that can help you distinguish between lies and what is real. And you've been given the peace that passes all understanding. The peace where it makes no sense for you to have peace. The peace that people can't see or understand, they can't grasp it. How in the world are you staying calm in this situation? Because my peace doesn't come from this world. And my hope is not for here. He says, my peace I give you. I will not give it as the world gives. So, once again, he says this. He repeats himself. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. So anytime Jesus says something twice, it's because we don't listen very well the first time. Which is case in point, because as soon as he says, don't let your hearts be afraid, they start coming up with all kinds of weirdo questions. He said, no, no, no. Here's the point. Don't let that happen. Once again, God is not going to command us to do something that he doesn't empower us to do. You can do this. So we see through here in in, in John 14 that Jesus never promised us a life without trouble. Man, I wish he did. That'd be so great. As soon as you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all your troubles are over. Uh, If I preach that, (laughs) you need to get a new preacher. Because this is not true. It sounds good, but it's not the truth. Jesus never promised us a life full of trouble, but he commands us to have an untroubled heart. So how do I unsubscribe from an anxious mind? How do I set myself aside from all the things that are swirling around in that, that wave that hits me? Is it, I don't know if that's, if, if that's the, the, the truth with everybody here, but for me, when I, when I walk through times of anxiety, I've, and I've gotten to know it really, really well. In case you didn't know, you know, like public speaking is... Most people, when they've surveyed them, they said, I'd rather die. It's like the number one fear. Before death, it's like public speaking. And I do this every week. Like, I get anxiety. I get it. And it hits me like a wave. It's just boom, boom, boom. And I have one thought after the next that it's not even based in reality. Doesn't, it's not going to happen, but I just worry and worry and worry. And worry, it, it goes from something that I can handle to something I can't handle really, really quickly. And the more I let myself focus on my worries and my concerns and my cares, it gets demonic real fast. And it hits me. And I get hot and I get sweaty. I get short of breath. I feel like my heart's gonna pound out of my chest. And in those moments, what do I do? What, does, what hope does God's word offer me? And I, and I believe if, if, if I'm willing to be honest enough to say that the times that I've dealt with anxiety and had, this is like an old friend to me, I I know it well. If if I can say that and admit my faults and talk to you about this, that perhaps you can can agree with me and say, you know what, Pastor, it's not just you, it's me. And we've all walked through 2020 together. And guess what? It didn't end with January the 1st. Like, oh, I thought it would somehow just die out with the year. Like, no. There's plenty of things to worry about. You've got your anxieties, I've got mine. If you don't have any anxieties today, please take some of mine. I've got plenty. There's all kinds of things I'm worried about. There's all kinds of things you're worried about. There are general anxieties, there are specific and personal anxieties, but you got them, I've got them. And they're everywhere. 
Open up your social media feed and you can find somebody else's worries. And they can offer a great case to why that's the most important thing to worry about today. Worry about a virus and worry about a mask and worry about a mandate and worry about a, a vaccine and worry about a president, worry about Afghanistan and worry about China, like worry about the fruit of the month. Like I, <laughs> it's got ridiculous. I worried how many people are going to make fun of my white shoes this morning. <laughs> it happens every time I wear these. Everybody underneath the age of 20, like those are fresh. Everybody over the age of 40, like that's dumb. I couldn't do anything but stare at your shoes. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks for giving me something else to worry about. I'm sorry. I'm, I worry about being offensive. I worry about uh, preaching God's word and people not receiving it. I worry about your spiritual health. I worry about your families. I worry about your children and your grandchildren. I worry about your job and your finances. I have to take those things to prayer every single day or they will overwhelm me. I've got my issues, the things that I worry about, and you've got yours. The good news is Christ's word offers us a better way to deal with anxiety than just to isolate, shut it off, and say, I'm weak if I confess that I'm dealing with this. So how do we unsubscribe from an anxious mind? As believers, what is God's word telling us? What is Jesus promising us through John chapter 14 as he's dealing with his disciples that walk through an anxiety-filled season? I wanna remind you of this, that anxiety is a feeling, and we combat feelings with choices. When feelings get out of control, we have to go back to, this is my choice. I choose this. Our statement is choices lead. Feelings follow. Anxiety tells me that I've allowed my feelings to lead. And my choices have taken a back seat. My choices are the result of being led by the way that I feel. Now, here's the, here's the crazy thing. God gave you emotions. But what we do with those either takes it to a healthy place or to an unhealthy place based upon the choices that we make. Choices lead, feelings follow. Jesus gives his disciples some very clear commands and says, choose this. When you don't understand, when you don't get it, when you feel like you've been abandoned and alone, choose these things. So I wanna give you five things that we can do when we're unsubscribing from an anxious mind. And the first is to make a choice to choose a different path. I can choose a different path. I don't have to do what I always do and let this thought this little worry, this little concern, be stirred up and agitated and become this. Like It seems like this is a natural progression, but that's not so. As a matter of fact, Jesus twice says, don't let that happen. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He uses the Greek word here, terasa, which means to stir up and to agitate. He said, it's one thing to have anxieties and worries and concerns. It's another thing for you to add your mix to it. You keep stirring the Kool-Aid. Like It doesn't need to be stirred. It's already Kool-Aid. But we're from Texas, it needs about another half gallon of sugar. Like, no, it don't. That just makes more anxiety. Ease up. <laughs> but we'll do that, won't we? We'll stir it up and stir it up and stir it up and rehash it and rehash it and make it something that it wasn't designed to be. I can choose a different path. One of the things I loved about uh, becoming a reader when I was little is those uh, choose your own adventure books. Anybody remember those? It was one of the coolest things because it's like you get 10 books in one that have all these different decisions that you could make and if your decision led you to a place that you knew you didn't like or it didn't give you a happy ending, you could go back, retrace your steps and make a different decision. Here's the good news that Christ's word offers us. He offers us the solution of not letting our hearts be troubled. As a matter of fact, he tells us in his word 
that we can set our mind on things above. Set your mind, Paul says, on things above. Set your mind. So you set your mind. It doesn't set you. I can choose where this is going, and I can say, this is right, this is not right. This is healthy, this is not healthy. I choose to allow my mind to be subject to the authority of God's word. I love the fact that God's word never tells us that we have to change our hearts, that we have to change the way that we feel. No, he says, I'll do that. But he says, you need a renewed mind. You can change your mind. I'll change your heart. That's better than I think you're amening. I think third service is gonna like that better than you. <laughs> Hope I'm not just preaching to myself, but has anybody had to fight their anxiety? You know, you don't have to go down the same path you always go down. You could actually try something new, novel concept. You can do this. Jesus says we can. He says, don't let that happen. Don't agitate yourself. Don't work yourself into a frenzy. You don't have to choose that. Set your mind on things above. You see, concern is reality, but anxiety is concern out of control. God gives you some things to be concerned about. What it should do is push us to prayer. These are the things the Holy Spirit's put on my heart that I'm, that I'm concerned about today. Lord, I need this for my friend. I need this for this person that's walking through this. These people are sick. This issue right here needs some resolving. I need your help with these things. That's the healthy outlet. Not let me take it upon myself and stir it 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 and allow it to stir me. I can choose a different path. I believe that, that the, the setting of our mind offers us a different option. Here's the second thing that he says. We're gonna have to choose who we're gonna believe. So Jesus offers us his word, and then he offers us his spirit. And he says, I know that you believe in God. Now, believe in me. And when the spirit of truth comes, believe him. <laughs> Here's the choice that we have to make as believers, whether or not we're going to believe in the power of Jesus Christ or the power of our issue. Because you're gonna end up putting your faith in one or the other. Let me just tell you this, it's a trick question. <laughs> One of them is worth putting your faith in and one of them could not possibly stand up to the faith and the belief that you're putting into something that you stirred up and created yourself. Jesus says, I know you believe in God. Now, believe in me. Hear me. Believe me. Put your faith, put your trust in me. Oh, if we could just grasp that simple concept. When I'm being hit with anxiety, I'm gonna choose God's word. What does God's word say? And I'm gonna choose to believe it. I'm gonna believe it. You know, anxiety has a way of exposing what we believe in. It does. And I found this to be true with myself, that when, I, when I'm walking through times of pressure and anxiety, that the things that bolt to the surface make me ashamed of myself sometimes. Like how in the world would I let myself buy into what I know is a lie? Like number one, God is good. He's always good. And everything I'm walking through, his word tells me he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. At some point, I've got to not just say it and quote it. I've got to believe it. I don't have to like it. I don't have to feel like I'm in control. I have to choose to believe. Choices lead. Feelings follow. I choose to believe. You know, we can believe in the enormity of our issue or the, the power of Jesus over that issue, but you can't really believe in both. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 4. 
How do we set our mind? What are we supposed to think about? What are we to use as an alternative? He says this, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, that's the things you need to be thinking about. So he says, you set your mind on these things. What's the truth? What's praiseworthy? What's admirable? What's right? Think about those things. Anxiety has no place to go when we set our mind instead of allowing anxiety to set it for us. Here's the third choice that we can make. Beyond just what we believe, we're gonna have to choose to obey. You can believe and not really obey. And this is the issue that we still see in a lot of people's hearts. I believe God's word, but I'm also just gonna do what I want because I'm comfortable in this, in this scenario. This is what I always do. Like, why? Because it works for me. Does it though? <laughs> Does it really? It's just the way I do things. Pastor, this is just the way we were raised. Like, was it right? Absolutely not, but it's just what I do. <laughs> like, you, you could choose to be obedient to the word of God. You see, we're a new creation in Christ. That means that we got some new decisions to make. I don't have to live as a slave to the old ways of thinking. I don't have to live that way. Choose to obey. Jesus says, I'm giving you a command. And I know that you love me. If you love me, you're gonna keep that command. What's the command? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now be obedient to that. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Choose to obey. And he offers us the power of the Holy Spirit to help us, to remind us, to teach us, to help us call back to memory all the things that his word told us to do before we walk into a situation filled with anxiety. He said, I'm gonna send you the advocate. It's the spirit of truth. Power of the Holy Spirit, this is what helps you bring clarity. Now obey him. Listen to what he's saying to you. Walk this way. It's more than just an Aerosmith song. <laughs> Listen to him. Be obedient to him. How many of us have the power of the Holy Spirit and never obey him? You know, anxiety has a way of doing that. It exposes what you believe in. It exposes what you're gonna obey. God's word offers us something better, the power of the Holy Spirit. I love what Romans 8 says. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and, somebody say the next word, peace. peace. Oh, peace. So if I allow the Holy Spirit to be the governor of my mind, when he gets to decide what is right and wrong, I get life and I get peace. But he says, if you do it yourself, it only leads to death. It's killing you. There's a better way. The Holy Spirit offers a better way. Now, to be fair, uh, not all anxiety is bad. And I know that feels weird to say that, but it's the truth. God gave you certain feelings, and there are things that it's okay to be anxious about. Did you know this? Look at this in, in, in 1 Corinthians 7. It says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. Wow. So there are things that we can be anxious about. Yeah, I said, if you're anxious about pleasing me and having a life that, that brings glory to me, that's a great thing to be like stirred up about. Some of you are like, it does say a single man. I want him to be stirred up to find me. I need my husband. Where are you? Oh, I see where he's at now. He's anxious about pleasing the Lord. Well, what about pleasing me? I need a husband. Like, easy, calm down. God's got a word for you. Get in a group. We're gonna help you.
The mind governed by the Spirit brings life and peace. Peace. And I love that Jesus looks at his disciples and says, my peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. This is my gift to you. And he shows them a powerful concept in this moment that while they're all full of anxiety, including Jesus at this moment, John chapter 16, when Jesus is sweating great drops of blood, you can't tell me he's not having to walk through this too. Jesus says, my peace I give you. And he shows us that at times where we're all feeling anxiety, it's a good thing to give someone else your peace. When was the last time you gave someone else your peace? When was the last time you knew that you had a friend walking through anxiety? And you're like, you know what? Christ gives me his peace. I'm going to give you my peace. I'm going to be your peace in the middle of this. My peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. It's not at some price tag hoping that you're going to do something for me. It's a free gift. So let's ease up on the throttle. Let me bring my peace into this. We have to choose to obey and in that moment, the Holy, filter, the, the, the Holy Spirit becomes a holy filter. It does. It tells us what's right and what's wrong, brings clarity, brings truth. We see what we can put our faith in. And I, I said it this way. The Holy Spirit was sent to be the filter between what's healthy and what's nuts. And this is one of the reasons why we need him. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm continually shocked by how many denominations will force out the power of the Holy Spirit because he gets weird. Like, no, no, he keeps me from getting weird. <laughs> The power of the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. And we've robbed ourselves of this great power that God has given us to have peace, truth, and clarity in the midst of an anxiety-filled world. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need him. Now more than ever, we need him. And when he speaks, my hope and my prayer for you is that you would choose to obey him, believe him, and obey. Here's the fourth thing of five. I'll give you these last two things and we'll finish up here. We can make a choice to open up. And this is where I've seen uh, kind of the greatest barrier from people that are fighting with anxiety and people that get free from anxiety is the ability to talk about it, to be open and honest and transparent. It's like we would rather literally die than to let people know that we're struggling. But I want you to notice this, that Jesus confronts anxiety, not individually, but as a group. Because they're all on the same page. And men, they're all men in this room, have a hard time talking about the things that make us anxious because we think it's weakness. But Jesus says, my, my peace I give y'all, <laughs> if Jesus was Texan. <laughs> Which he'd have to be. I mean, as I read this, I'm like, of course he's Texan. He has a mother that thought he could do no wrong. That's Texan. <laughs> but he gives it to them as a group to show them that you're all dealing with the same things. I'm here to help all of you. It's not just Peter that's dealing with anxiety. It's not just James. Not just, they're all there. They're on the same page. They ain't talking about it. They're asking questions. But Jesus looks right through each of them says, you're all on the same page. And this is what's the, the craziest thing about 2020. It put everybody in the world on the same page. We're all dealing with the same issues. And when we can choose to open up and be honest, be transparent, when you choose to get into a group and allow people 
to share their anxieties. You share yours. The crazy thing is, you don't take on theirs. They start losing their power. In James chapter five, it says, if you confess your faults one to another and you start praying for each other, you know what happens? You find healing. Healing. And we as the church have subscribed to this idea that all I've got to do is talk to God about it and it's going to go away. Not necessarily. He wants you to be able to talk to other believers and draw strength from each other and find out that we have a lot more in common than what we think. You see, anxiety is the great leveler. And it pays no attention to skin color, pays no attention to the amount of money that you make or age or how long you've been walking with God. We all deal with anxiety. When we can talk about it, when we choose to open up, we choose to be transparent, let somebody in our world for a moment, all of a sudden we realize, you know what? It is nuts. <laughs> Once I say it, it's really not that big of a deal. If you're walking through an anxious time, I want to encourage you, get into a group. Sign-ups start this week. We have groups launched all over the city. There's some amazing group leaders, great homes, some great friends that are waiting for you. And if you're in a place where you're dealing with anxiety, get into a group. Please, I'm begging you, get into a group. If you're in a place where you've, you're not dealing with any anxiety, please get into a group because we need you. Help us. <laughs> we can choose to open up. Here's the fifth, and I'll finish with this. We can choose faith. We can choose faith. I also want to give a disclaimer that sometimes that's not easy to do. It's easier said than done. Because we'll say things like, I'm choosing faith in the Lord. I'm choosing faith over fear. But when reality happens, we're like, honestly, man, I don't know what to believe. I can choose faith. I can choose to put my confidence in the goodness of God even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, even when the things that I do see and do feel make no sense. I can still choose faith. And I want to remind you of some of the most important things that I've ever seen in, the, in God's word. And that's simply this. I'll, I'll say it like this. Sometimes anxiety precedes the greatest miracles. And if we can take our worries and cares and concerns and the things that have been spun out of control and see them as the means to an end, all of a sudden they don't seem so bad, do they? You think there was anxiety when the children of Israel were looking at the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was thundering behind them? Don't you think there was a little bit of anxiety in that moment? The good news is that wasn't the end of the story. The following chapter, God does what had not been done on that planet until that moment, makes a way where there was no way. And all that anxiety turned into great joy, into a testimony that no one could possibly fathom unless you'd seen it. It was great. God took everything in that situation, turned it on its head. And this army that came behind the children of Israel were drowned. And it became the testimony of a group of people that fought through anxiety to see the great miracle of God. In the book of Esther, don't you think there was a little bit of anxiety when Haman convinces the king to exterminate all the Jews in the land? That's a big deal. They send out a postcard saying, hey, on May the 14th, guess what's gonna happen? Not you, you're gonna die. Good news is, that's not the end of the story. Anxiety is not the end of the story. Sometimes anxiety precedes the most amazing things that only our God can do. You see, in John chapter 14, the anxiety was high and it was about to get higher. 
Because Jesus goes to the cross and they kill him. They throw him into a grave. But that's not the end of the story. Thank God that's not the end of the story. Because three days later, what they thought anxiety had led to became the greatest story ever told. Where Jesus himself gets up conquering death and hell and the grave once and for all, offering forgiveness for our sins and grace where there was no other way. You see, the cross is not the end of the story. And I can choose faith in the middle of my anxiety, in the middle of my downtimes, in the middle of my moments where I'm stirred up and my heart is palpitating and I don't seem to understand what God is doing when I don't get it, when I'm afraid. I can choose faith that God is still good. He still moves mountains. He still calms fears. He still heals diseases. He still calms the wind. He still calms the waves. And I have to understand at that moment, my anxiety is not the end of the story. My God is bigger than what I'm afraid of. I want to remind you of the bigness and the greatness of your God. And sometimes anxiety precedes the greatest miracles. What could he do if you gave him your worries and concerns? What could he do if you gave him your anxiety? What could other people see accomplished if you gave them your peace? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I wanna finish up with a prayer today for everyone struggling with anxiety. And I think if we're gonna be honest, that's all of us. That's all of us. We're all on the same page. We're all having to come up with a different way to deal with this. My hope and my prayer is that you would choose his way. His ways are better. They're higher than your ways. They can accomplish what you cannot accomplish the more that you worry about it. And please hear me say, I'm not trying to belittle your issues. You're bringing in some things in this place that are big, they're, they're ominous, they're hard. Each of us is walking through things that are difficult to walk through. We bring in our hurts and our failures. And we say, God, I need help. I want to be honest with you today. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing well. Lord, would you help me? Because I'm here. And I believe that if I've taken a step of faith to come to your house, to worship you, to turn my heart and my attention to your word, that you're going to hear me. And you're going to help me. So for every person within the sound of my voice today, and for those of you that are watching online, if you find yourself in a place where you're dealing with this, this has been just hammering you, hitting you like a wave, like a wave, like another wave, like another wave. If that's you, nobody's looking at you. Nobody's caring about you right now. It's just you and your father. I want to invite you to do something that you may have never done before. I want to invite you to simply open up your hands, place them on your knees as a sign of surrender, as a sign of asking for help. Would you just open up your hands, place them on your knees like somebody was handing you a gift? Because I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is yours for the receiving today. The great advocate that Jesus talked about, the spirit of truth, he's gonna help you. Would you open up your hands to receive him? I'm gonna pray for you. Lord God, today, we come into your presence being honest about where we are. Lord, we have anxieties about our jobs and anxieties about our business. We have anxieties about our children and grandchildren, our, our marriages. Lord, there's so many things that we can get stirred up and worked up about. And those are just the interior things. Lord, the exterior things with all of the things that our world is going through and the, the insanity that has gripped our planet. 
Father, it's easy to get carried away. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit now more than ever. We need a fresh infilling of the spirit of truth. Lord, as your word promised us, Lord, remind us of all the things that you've taught us. Remind us of who we are. Remind us of your power. Remind us that you have a plan, that you have a hope, that you have a future for us. Remind us of your goodness and your power and your strength. Remind us of the great miracles that you've done. We need your help. We need you. Would you come? Lord, I pray for every one of my friends struggling right now. I pray that you would just capture their thoughts and give them your peace. Peace. Be still. Be still. You know, I just feel really strongly through the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to someone right now who who needs to be reminded that God still heals. And there's healing for you. There's healing for you. He wants me to remind you. There's healing for you. Receive it. God, I thank you for everyone struggling. And I pray that you would meet them at the point of their need right now. Show them your power. Show them your greatness. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching online, I want to make sure that I give everyone that is listening to me an opportunity to receive Jesus. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins, maybe you were raised in church or maybe you weren't, maybe you used to walk with God but you've gotten away from him, the point is he's reaching out to you and it's time to come home. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? I wanna help you like someone helped me one time by leading you in a prayer right where you are. Pray with me. I'll tell you what to say. The words go like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came and died but rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. I give myself to you right now, in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if that was you and you just prayed that prayer with me, if you're inside this room, would you just lift your hand up right now and say, that was me, pastor. I prayed that prayer with you. I took that step of faith. Good, I see you, good. Good, I see you up there in the balcony. Good for you, good for you. My friend, I would love to get in contact with you. If you just raise your hand, if you just pray that prayer, um, if you're watching online, would you do me a favor? If that was you, would you just text me? Text the word, I prayed, all one word, I-P-R-A-Y-E-D, to the number that's on your screen, 844-HRC-TEXT. If you will text me, what I'm gonna do is send you some things that will help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. See, this is not the end of your relationship with Jesus. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. He wants to help you. And as your church family, we wanna help you do the same thing. So would you take that next step of faith? Would you just text me? I'm proud of you. Proud of the decision that you just made. Good for you. Well, Highbridge family, go ahead and look up at me if you would and stand to your feet. As we finish up today, I wanna remind you of a couple of things. And number one, that group signups are happening this week. If you're interested in being a part of a group, Please sign up this week. They're gonna fill up very, very quickly. And we only have so many that we can offer, but we would love to have you be a part of a group. It's gonna be good for you. It's gonna be good for the people in your group to see you there as well. Also, I wanna thank you again for being so generous. You're an amazing church. And every single week, I'm just encouraged by the things that we're able to do because of your generosity, because of your financial support, because you're praying for us, you're praying for me, you're praying for my family, you're praying for this church. Thank you so much for that. 
For those of you watching online, if you do me a favor, if you're watching on any of your social media platforms, click that share button. That means a lot when you share the gospel of Jesus and the hope that God has for our world. When you share this message with your friends and all the people in your online community, it, it means a lot to us. I think God has done some great things because you're willing to take a step and share your faith and share this message with your world. That's a big deal. Thank you for that. I have our elders here at the front, and these guys are gonna be available to pray with you about anything that you may need prayer over. We would love to be able to pray for you. Also, I wanna remind you, September 16th is Unite. Uh, Unite's gonna sell out really, really quickly because we're in the last three weeks. This is what Longview always does. They wait till the last couple weeks, and then they flood this thing, and then everyone's like, I didn't get a ticket, this thing sold out. Like, I told you, I told you. It's gonna be at the Belcher Center. We have Willie Robertson from Duck Dynasty coming in. You're gonna wanna meet him. He's pretty awesome. And we have Christine Kane coming to Longview. This is not simulcast. These are people coming live. Christine Kane is coming here. Uh, Pastor Tim Ross from Embassy City Church, amazing speaker. They're coming here because they have a heart to see what God can do in Longview, Texas. These are things that you can't watch online. You have to be in the room. And I want you to be a part of that. That's happening at the Belcher Center. We are the people that are supporting that. And we've got some other churches that have decided to come on board with us. And it's been great to watch churches start working together for the benefit and the health of our city. If you're watching online, check it out, belchercenter.com. Get your tickets now. It's gonna sell out. And then don't come tell me you didn't get a ticket. I already told you. Please. It's gonna be amazing. Let me bless you and send you out. Lord, I thank you for every person that's heard this message today. I pray that you would give them peace in the storm. I pray that you would help remind them of your goodness and power and strength. Would you bless them as they go today? In Jesus' name, everyone said together, amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great week.